about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Before we begin today, we have four very interesting interviews from Notre Dame fans, NFL draft experts, and even an Alabama fan. They're interspersed throughout our predictions for the bowl, and I think you'll really like them. I had a blast recording them. Uh, thank you to all the guests who came on, and let's get on with the show. And we are back. Another week of the four horsemen podcast thank you to our sponsors anchor and flipboard it's where i take all my notes for the podcast flipboard uh so with that we're into another week it's the middle of bowl season as we're talking right now uab and northern illinois are facing off in the cherry bundy boca raton bowl uh we have a full slate of action this week uh but the most important game is happening on december 29th at 4 p.m uh, so right now, this is just kind of our methadone before the madness starts. Uh, <laughs> so really, with that soliloquy that I have, uh, time to get into it. Uh, we're doing a little something this year, a little competition, if you will, uh, between Dylan, Steve, and myself with the bowl season. So Dylan was the mastermind behind this because he's a college student and has too much time on his hands to avoid studying for finals. Uh, so with that, Dylan, take it away. All right. So we decided to see which one of us was the smartest at college football. And then as a side project, I had my girlfriend pick the games to just show how stupid we are. And she knows nothing about college football. So um, it's just kind of a fun little experiment. So we went through all the bowl games. Um, we made our picks before Saturday's games. So I'll just give you a quick rundown there. Um, for the Cure Bowl, uh, Tulane versus UL Lafayette. Uh, me and Steve went with Tulane, uh, P-Wag went with Lafayette. Um, New Mexico Bowl, Utah State, Northern Texas. Uh, P-Wagon went with North Texas. The two, of, the two of us went with Utah State. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl, Arizona State, Fresno State. Uh, me and P-Wagon got it right with Fresno State. Uh, this was Steve's one slip up with Arizona State. Uh, we all picked Georgia Southern to beat Eastern Michigan. And then lastly, uh, P-Wagon, you took Middle Tennessee over Appalachian State. Steve and I took Appalachian State. So as we stand right now, um, I'm five for five, Steve's four for five, and P-Wagon is two and three. So um, not a great start, but I mean, there's like 40 games to pick from. So what we'll do here is I'll just kind of, I hope you guys have your picks on you. Um, I know we've all submitted them, so we know we're not cheating. Um, I'll pick them up now. Yeah, so I'll just read through the bowl game. Uh, you tell me your pick so the audience knows, because I know we all know each other's picks, but, you know, so they can keep track. And, uh, and yeah, that's where we'll go. All right. Ready when you are. All right. So the Boca Ranton Bowl, uh, UAB versus Northern Illinois, which is going on right now. The, the, the what? Boca Ratton Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it stands for. Boca Raton. It means mouth of the rat. Yeah, well. Yeah, Bo Boca Raton. That's uh, actually the where, town just north of my mom. My mom lives in Delray Beach. It's where it's everyone Florida. goes to retire. It's the elephant graveyard of Florida. 
Uh, yes, the old folks need a game. So UAB. Uh, you got UAB. Uh, Steve, who did you take? I did have Northern Illinois. For some reason, I, I feel like they still have – who was that guy? It was like Jordan something from a couple years ago who almost competed for Heisman when they went like 12-1 and one or something. Yes. I forget. He was a quarterback who was like a dual threat. He obviously was a zero in the NFL. So I have it in my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, well, he was good four or five years ago, so that means NIU is still yeah. going to be good. So that's my reasoning. Right. I went with UAB. Uh, does anyone know the score of that game right now? They are I winning. think it was like 24-10. 24-10 when I checked. Jesus. Cool. Uh, 27-10 halftime. All right. So I'm, I should have been betting on these because I would have made a lot of money last week. Um, so next we got the Frisco Bowl, San Diego State University against Ohio. P-Wagon, what did you get? Uh, Steve, what did you get? SDSU. Um, Dylan, you. I took Ohio. I got the spread. I got the spreadsheet here in case you don't know, P. No, I'm good. I just had to find it. San Diego State, go Aztecs. So two of you took SDSU. I took uh, the, the Bobcats, I think is their name. Um, yep. Who really cares? Um, so <laughs> next we got – you guys get to listen to me, like, butcher some of these names. Um, the Gasparilla Bowl. Gasparilla. Gasparilla. One of the best times in Tampa. Marshall. Yeah. It was great. I used to live in Tampa. That's why it's, it's always near and dear to my heart, and that's why I took University of South Florida. Uh, yes. Who did you take, Steve? Uh, sorry, that was Steve that just answered. P-Wagon? Marshall. We are. I took, I took Marshall as well, so a little bit of a conflicting uh, opinion between the three of us. Um, so next, the Bahamas Bowl, FIU versus Toledo. Um, one of my friends from high school, and I use the term friends loosely, John Marukian, uh, he played tackle there, and then I believe he was offensive line coach there for a while. And I think he's at Central Michigan now or something. But nonetheless, because of my Rhode Island allegiance, I will go with Toledo. Yeah. I'm on points, and points will get Toledo. Yeah, I, I took Toledo as well. We were, we were pretty even across the board there. All right, next, the Idaho Potato Bowl, which is really funny. Um, as a name. So Western Michigan, BYU, who did you guys take? The Broncos, Western Michigan. Oh, wow. I'm actually with BYU on this one. I took BYU as well. The Birmingham Bowl, Memphis versus Wake Forest. Memphis. Memphis. Memphis again. So we all like oh, their star running back is considering sitting out. I don't know if there's any official word as of this moment. Nothing yet. Yeah, they got a high-powered offense, though. So. And- All right, guys, we have our first guest on uh, for the day. It is Jake. He's on Twitter at Jake87 underscore. Uh, He was one of the individuals who led a pretty uh, interesting group chat that Dylan put (laughs) that I had to to leave during the USC game out of uh, just out of fear. (laughs) And with that, I do apologize for that, Jake. But uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and really, we're just going to go over kind of where your fandom started. Uh, we all have kind of different stories. I started back in 93 uh, when I was two years old. Dylan was in the mid-2000s. Steve was kind of in the later 90s. And uh, as I know you're a valued listener of ours, uh, 
and with that, you kind of know how eccentric we get. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, take us away. Let us know a little bit about your Irish fandom, how you became a, uh, a fan. Uh, so I inherited my Irish fandom from my dad. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up, mid-2000s, I watched. And um, I'd say the first season I was really into it was the wonderful season known as the 2007 season. Okay. Um, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I was in high school, and it was the worst. That, that The worst part is one of the first games I vividly remember. Like, before that, I watched, but, like, you know, I, I was probably too young to understand. So that season, I was eight. And one of my first memories was the Navy game. I was in a uh, hotel with my dad in Pennsylvania, and uh, it was not fun. He was not happy. <laughs> and uh, I've been Irish ever since. That's a that's a rough indoctrination into uh, yep. the Irish fandom, and uh, especially with how that season went. Uh, now, from there, have you been to an, any ND games or anything like yes. that? I went, last, I went last year. Awesome. Wake Forest. Wake Forest? Yep, Wake Forest. Awesome. That's uh, yep. that's always – I haven't been out to one there. I went to the Syracuse game this year. Yep. I've yep. been to the Pinstripe Bowl that got vacated. Uh, so a bunch of games. I'm just trying to make my way out. Harder to get out west when you're in the New England area. Uh, but that's awesome. So you're are you as fanatical as – Steve, Dylan, or myself, would you say, are you more kind of even-keeled during the uh, the games? Um, uh, somewhere in between. You know, uh, I'm not nervous the whole game, but if they give me a reason to, like they do often, I, I can get pretty nervous. I uh, My heart was jumping up and down during the USC game, many other games, the pit game. You know, um, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the most fanatical of all time, but, you know, I'm pretty into it, I'd say. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I know following you on Twitter, you have a – I wouldn't say beef because you're in the right here, uh, but there's been some UCF fans in your mentions uh, a little bit about how UCF uh, deserved a playoff spot and how they're a legitimate title contender. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of give you the floor because this is a Notre Dame podcast and UCF. Yeah a bunch of frauds because they won't schedule Florida for a two and one. Uh, so what are your thoughts on UCF and just what, take it away. They don't matter. I mean, I've said this many times. They do not matter. They do not. They refuse to schedule good teams. They've been good for about, you know, they've been good the past two years, but I think we've seen this before. We've seen this before with uh, Idaho, uh, not Idaho, Boise State, Utah, uh, even Hawaii back in 2007, I remember they went 12 and 0 and they lost the bowl game. At least they played tough teams. UCF, what's their best win? It's over Memphis. Probably, I, mean, I, I would probably say that, yeah. Yeah, and then they, um, it was like what Temple? They gave up something like 600 yards, if I'm correct. Yeah, you're you're around there, and yeah. What are your thoughts on not them backing out of the Florida two and one? where they would get two games in Gainesville and then one in Orlando. I think they're trying to like pretend like they want to. Um, I think they're, they're trying to pretend that they're trying to like, you know, play better teams and become in the process of becoming a more major program, but they're just pushing out of actually doing anything. 
They're all, they're all um, talk and no action, really. They actually backed out of it before as well. I was doing some reading yeah. on it. And uh, they, yeah, they're, they're all talk. So uh, that's a bit on UCF. That's probably the only time I'll talk about them. I did put a curse on Mackenzie Milton. Um, uh, the Horseman curse is undefeated this year. Uh, yep. Breslov, Gardner Minshew, Mackenzie Milton, and Tua. So yeah, Trevor Lawrence, you're next. And yeah. uh, you're a pretty big NFL fan, uh, if I yes. You're a oh, Giants fan? Yeah, I, I'll add one thing on UCF. I'm actually sure. indir- indirectly related to a former uh, coaching staff member there. So Really? That. Yep. That's interesting. So yep. we, we don't like anyone but him. Uh, now, you're it's a Giants fan. You're a Giants fan, is that correct? Yeah. Ooh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And uh, what do you think your team's going to do uh, this year? Are, are you going full bore for a new quarterback? or They have to. It's like, even if they're going to sit him for a year, they just have to. It's like Eli Manning is 38 years old, and he's, you know, there's no denying he's had a tremendous career here. But look at any of the great quarterbacks. How many can you say their career's – Ended perfectly. John Elway? I mean, really. So there's not many. It's moving on. It's never pretty. Almost never pretty. But, you know, you have to do it one way or the other. And my wishes are not wishes I expect to be fulfilled. I think we'll watch it. Who's the quarterback? Eli. No, I, I know. I know who the quarterback is. But who's your quarterback in the future? Oh, boy. That's – um. I could see them – I would not be surprised if they're going into next season without an answer for that. Hmm. That would not surprise me. But um, I'm, I'd probably say Justin Herbert from the current class. Okay. You know, I love uh, Dwayne Haskins and how much he wants to play for the Giants, but I think he would be, as a player, maybe not from a draft standpoint, better served by uh, staying another year, in my opinion. I, I would tend to agree with that. I do think he – probably would fit well with what they're doing right now. But how the NFL is moving, you see with the Ravens right now, uh, with Lamar Jackson, you can run the read option in at the professional level. And you have Saquon Barkley, who arguably was one of the best signings of the year. And yep. with that, you, you almost want to look for a mobile quarterback and – I get that Eli did a lot of great things. He won two Super Bowls over the Pats, uh, who are my neighbors, actually. They're right down the road. And with that, it's it's just very interesting to see. You know, I could see them wait one more year and then bring Tua in or another more mobile quarterback. But uh, that there's that. And uh, in terms of the NFL draft, we actually have another guest coming on. Uh, his name's Brad. He does wide receivers uh, for the Draft Network. And um, he he has some pretty interesting insight into how Notre Dame is going to pan out. And uh, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame in this upcoming draft? Uh, I think there's some uh, – there's definitely uh, – they have a strong class, I think. I think got probably a better one than last year. You know, you got uh, Love. Um, Tillery, uh, Tranquil, Connie, I've uh, probably forgetting the guy. Um, who else? Alize Mack would be the only one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Sue Williams. Mack. Uh, is it, um, yeah, so maybe even Boris. Uh, I think he could be – I don't know if, I don't know where he'll go, but um, I think it's definitely 
I know we did have two top ten guys last year, but I think after that, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, it was the last the after uh, McGlinchey and uh, uh, Nelson. He went to Miami, right? I'm drawing a blank on the name. Um, Durham Smythe. Durham Smythe was there, but it wasn't the same. I don't think it was the same class. Uh, once they leave Notre Dame, they get ridden off. I I have gone on record saying wherever Ian Book does go to play quarterback will be my team. Uh, I don't have an NFL team. Oh, you don't? It's Notre Dame or nothing for me. Uh, so but once once the season ends, I write them off completely. I follow them through the draft because obviously more first round draft picks are better uh, for Kelly. And I I do like Quinn Nelson. I do like Mike McGlinchey, but I'm not going to sit down on a Sunday and watch the NFL. I. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with, you know, I need uh, to I, I, I can't be rooting for uh, Josh Adams. I probably am not going to be rooting for Equinemi St. Fran and Green Bay. I don't like them either. So I'm not much of a uh, root for Notre Dame players unless it benefits the Giants, really. So That's interesting. And now yeah. this is going to be kind of a loaded question. Uh, who do you think, in we come back 10 years from now, after the 2019 draft, it's 2029. Uh-huh. Which of the players are the the top, the the gold standard, either still in the league or wrapping up a uh, Hall of Fame career from the Notre Dame class coming in? Oh, I think if you look at your best chance, you're looking at uh, Tillery, Coney, and uh, Love, really for me. Um, there's some other interesting pieces, but you know they might be journeymen. Um, I really think those three would be uh, probably the top ones up there. Very interesting. I, I didn't think you were going to say love, and I know he's an all-American and all that, but uh, just just a very interesting. I, I would really say uh, Alizé Mack, if he can get his shit together, then, then he – That's interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm not high on him. I never have been. Uh, ever since he did that whole TikTok and then he got caught cheating – or whatever happened with him at a sit out a year. Like my, my whole issue with him is he can talk a big game, but then it falls apart. So yeah, he may be great in the NFL, but I'm just not too high on him, but I, I can, mean, you know, making me eat my hat. I mean, there have been, you know, with off the field issues, you have uh, guys like Manziel who didn't pan out. And then Baker Mayfield ran away from cops and got arrested, I think. And look how He's doing so. It really could go either way. Yeah, but Tommy Reese ran away from cops too, and now he's a quarterback coach. So. Oh, that's, that, that's even better. Yeah, so, you know, it, it just, it's just one of those things where it's just a very interesting uh, – when when they do get to the NFL, the, the ones that are panning out right now, obviously Harrison Smith, uh, Quentin Nelson, McGlinchey, uh, really, Durham Smythe is even playing well for the uh, the Dolphins and Josh Allen, yeah. Golden Tate. You can, list goes on of who's playing well, but it just sucks because you learn all for at least for me all a hundred guys every year, and then the following year you have to figure out what their numbers are again just because. Yeah, of, and it's that's like, why it's very interesting. It's like with other sports. It's you know it's easy because. Basketball, you know, you got 15 guys, and then, you know, you have players that are sometimes there, like, you know, six, seven, eight years is easy. And then with Notre Dame, it's like, I don't, I mean, I don't 
follow the recruiting process too much, but like, you know, I follow the names and stuff and you have to learn them all again. And then it's like, it's like, I know, I know we had some like diehards in the chat and there was a guy in the USC game. Everybody was referring to him by his number because he was getting list, lit up. It was a Tariq uh, uh, Darcy, I think his name was 35. I mean, you know, yep. even some of the, you know, it's, it's hard to keep for everybody to keep track. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's just, it's, it's definitely the hardest of all the sports. Oh, hundred percent. I yeah. mean, I, I was a rugby player. Rugby goes one through 23. You don't yeah. get a different number. So, you know, if you're the starting, starting flanker, you're a six or a seven. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then from there, you just have to learn the names on the back of the Jersey. So football definitely would be a little bit harder. Uh, and this is going to be kind of an awkward transition, but I don't have a good segue here. Uh, we do have a pretty interesting December 29th coming up with the college football playoff. Obviously. Indeed. The, the 28th? What? Oh, what? What did you say? I said well, indeed. Part out. Oh, indeed. Sorry. I'll, I'll add that part out. We're back. So we do have an uh, interesting December 29th coming up uh, with Alabama, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame, Clemson. Uh, you remember 2012. Uh, unfortunately. And everyone remembers 2012. And that's the rhetoric right now is Notre Dame can win the big game because of what happened then. Well, uh, we haven't for a while. It's, it's true. And the, the first bowl win that we had was the 2008 Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve with Jimmy Clausen when he went off. But – with that, that was from 93. It was a 15-year span. That's the majority of my fanhood. And with that, um, it's just going to be very interesting. You know, We're a couple days out now from the game. Uh, what's your first prediction for Alabama-Oklahoma? Well, I think obviously it's going to be high scoring on both sides. I think I might you know, go something with a 42-31 maybe, I guess. Okay. I think it will be high scoring, but a comfortable, not blowout Alabama win. Okay. I, I would agree with that. So you're t taking the under there. The over-under set at 80 right now, which is ridiculous for a bowl game. And uh, the other game, obviously Notre Dame, Clemson. Uh, what are your, what's your thought, your prediction, score, all that stuff? Well, first, I'm very uh, excited for it. Obviously, uh, so my prediction I sent was 28-27. Uh, Clemson fails the two-point conversion and loses. Very bold. Wow. Very uh, bold. Will they lose on the pick play? The what? The, the pick play that we lost on against Florida State when the, the two rubber outs in the wheel? No, a, on a, uh, a two-point conversion. I know. I was making a joke there, but that's okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. All good. So you're, we're seeing a Notre Dame-Alabama uh, championship, and uh, yeah. we won't get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, we can definitely take a, a guess of where you would be going there. It's going to be a close game, a blowout. Uh -huh. What are your thoughts? My thoughts on on, uh, on a Clemson-Notre Dame? Yes. No, I'm sorry, uh, Alabama Notre Dame. Oh boy, uh, oh. it's gonna be tough. I really, um, I really want to say that I think we can win, but 
I think this is such an insane game uh, team. Like, you know, I, I I can't say I'll be going into the game expecting us to, uh, you know, have a great chance to win. I'll probably go in with a chance of saying we can make it a good game and we can possibly win, but, you know, you have to know what you're up against. Now, that is what I said before a certain Super Bowl about a decade ago. Okay. And look how that turned out. So I think I think Alabama would rightly be favorites in that game. Um, okay. Um, I would probably predict a 35-28 victory. Very interesting. I would uh, tend to yeah. agree with that. Um, I, I love it. I love the optimism there. Uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on and explaining to us yep. that there are some mild manner Notre Dame fans who can make a rational uh, yep. argument and not just go off the cuff at all moments. Jake is also uh, a resident Canadian expert. He knows the capital of none of it. Uh, yep. So that's the thing, Dylan. And uh, with that, you can find Jake on uh, Twitter if you want to yell at him about UCF or agree with him about UCF at Jake87 underscore. Uh, Jake, any last things uh, before we wrap up here? Um, two things. Uh, yes. it's, it's two underscores and uh, go Irish. Two underscores and go Irish. Yep. Jake, thank you for coming on. We'll uh, catch you on the Twitter. All right, thanks. All right, so the Armed Forces Bowl will continue on. Um, Houston versus Army. Who did you take? Army. Houston. I was going to go with Houston because the Army's a fucking joke. Um, but their quarterback got hurt two weeks ago, and he will not be playing in the bowl game. And his numbers were quite impressive, actually. He might have been a top-10 quarterback this year um, playing in that conference. And I imagine, speaking of sitting out, that Ed Oliver will be sitting out also. Uh, I, I would assume so, yeah. So I just liked Army because they're going to be um, full. They won't be missing any key guys. So, I, yeah, I took Army. but I, I just think even with a backup, the Houston offense is notorious for putting up 45, 50 points a game. So. Sure, and that could, that could very well happen. Um, so the Dollar General Bowl, which is a ridiculous name, um, Buffalo and Troy, the real Trojans. The State University of New York, Buffalo. I still I feel like I'm a kid announcing for – I still play uh, NCAA football 2014 to this day. RIP, the greatest game franchise ever. Um, And in it, I'm in like the year 2060. And I played, I think, 10 seasons as the head coach of Troy State uh, Trojans. So I'll always have a special uh, place in my heart for the Troy Trojans. So I'm I'm rolling with them. Good. I've, I've played NCAA 12 still, and I'm, I think, 13 years in, 13 titles with Notre Dame and zero losses. Um, but that was way back when, when I was just about 12 years old. <laughs> so I took Buffalo. Um, I don't think the game's going to matter too much, but that's who I went with. Um, so, 2000? Uh, 97. Oh, okay, continue. So, well, you know, a little older than 12, but um, yes. Uh, so the Hawaii Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus Hawaii. Who did you guys take and why? Yep, Holtz, Louisiana Tech. LTU, let's go. I took Hawaii because they're at home. They're 4-3 and three in the Hawaii Bowl with one of those losses coming to Notre Dame, so I don't really count that because difference in quality. Um, I just liked, I like the home team there. 
Uh, and yeah, that's just my rationale for it. That was a Christmas game when Jimmy Clausen won the first Hawaii Bowl, first bowl game. Yeah. Great. I remember yeah. that. He threw like what? 325 yards. Golden yeah. Tate had a hell of a day. It was a great Christmas Eve. This game is not on Christmas Eve this year because the NFL has Monday night football. That was one of the first games I remember watching actually was uh, the Hawaii Bowl. Hmm. I, I would have been really young at the time. So my Notre Dame fandom would have come a little bit more later in terms of the hardcore that I am today. Um, so the first responders bowl, Boston College versus Boise State. BC. The Grudge oh, Hall. Gotta love Boise State. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I, I took Boise State as well. Um, I don't think there's really else to talk about. I think about. Rick Rippin is actually going to be a quality NFL QB. Yeah, Boise State's always going to get something a little extra to play for during the bowl season because it's the only true team they'll actually play. Um, quick lane bowl, Minnesota versus Georgia Tech. This could be really interesting. Who'd you guys take? Minnesota. Triple option. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. I took, I took my uh, Minnesota. Um Minnesota. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a good game, actually, between the two. They fi- they finished about equal in their own respective conferences. Um, next, unless you guys have any interjections, just go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the Cheez-It Bowl, which might be the dumbest name. Um, California versus TCU. That might be another good one to watch, too. T-C-U. Yeah, got to roll with the Horned Frogs. California is just such a soft-ass fucking school. I took the Cal Bears. Um, if we're forgetting, I believe they beat the USC Trojans and they beat Washington, the Huskies as well. Um, this is a good team. TC was underperformed this year. Cal is overperformed. So I'm taking the California. Are they the Golden Bears or just the Bears? Golden Bears. Golden Bears. University of Alberta is also the Golden Bears, I think. So don't want to confuse mm-hmm. those two. Um, Independence Bowl. Temple versus Duke. Who'd you take and why? Temple. The Owls. Philly. No, No other reason. All right. Fuck everything in the world about Philly. Let's go with Duke. I do agree with that first half of your statement, but I went with Temple. So you don't agree? Well, I agree with everything about fucking Philly, but I think Temple will win the game. So you don't agree? First half. (laughs) All right. The pinstripe bowl. Miami versus Wisconsin. This is actually a both a terrible and an amazing game at the same time because how the fuck do you pick between these two shit underperforming programs? Wisconsin under 48 points. I'm going with Miami for the athletes, uh, although it, obviously it's in Yankee Stadium, so who knows if they'll even show up when it's going to be cold as shit. So uh, I actually kind of instantly regret picking Miami now. All right, fuck me. Um, I, I took Miami of Florida as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting game because those are two named schools, but uh, both of them kind of suck, so who knows how that's going to turn out. Um, the New York point's actually really interesting because that might get cold and might affect. It's freezing. I've been to two of them. I went to Notre Dame, Syracuse, or Notre Dame Rutgers and Rutgers K-State. It is one of the coldest days. Of- and the wind is swirling in that stadium, obviously. If, if anyone here is a baseball fan, I know Dylan is. A lot of wind uh, from, from right to left on that field. So that might really, really just piss off everyone who's on the field. And you, you might think that the, uh, the run game with the offensive line would have the edge, but Miami is a very elite defense. So you might see like a low, low scoring game, like 10-3 or something. Um, but moving on, the Texas Bowl between Baylor and Vanderbilt. Who did you guys take? Baylor. 
Uh, I went with Vanderbilt just because I want all the teams that Notre Dame played to win. Therefore, our strength of schedule looks better. Uh, I would say strength of schedule no longer matters at this point because we are in. But I Team took Vanderbilt. are going to kick us out of the playoff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Vanderbilt for me. Um, yeah, P. Wagon disagreeing there with the Baylor. Bears? What are they? Yeah. The Bears. God, football teams are pretty uncreative with their names. Um, Music City Bowl. I think we've won against LSU there before. So Purdue versus Auburn in the mismatch of the century. Who'd you guys take? War Eagle. Yeah, obviously Auburn. This is going to be ugly. Yeah, War Eagle, I agree. Although I like Purdue because of the, the kid with cancer or whatever's going on there. I hope they do well. Um, and I also have no feelings toward Purdue at all. I don't think of it as a rivalry. I think people only in the state of Indiana care about it, and most fans of Notre Dame are not from Indiana. Um, so, yeah, who cares? What are you motioning to me there, P? I'm, I'm playing with a pen. Oh, okay. I thought you were telling me to shut up. Uh, <laughs> we, could, we could move a little bit faster. We have a guest who's waiting in the wings. All right. So, Camping World Bowl, West Virginia versus Syracuse. Hughes, they're going to beat up on a real, well, Dryerless team. Um, I didn't know that Greer was sitting out, but I did pick West Virginia. I think you still have a good shot there, but I, I did take Syracuse because of that. Um, I do think West Virginia is the better team, though, because Syracuse are frauds. So we'll see what kind of prevails there. Um, Alamo Bowl, Iowa State versus Wazoo. Wazoo. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Washington State here. Yeah, I did as well. I just don't think Iowa State's quite on that level yet. Wazoo was quite good this year. And we interrupt this bowl season predictions to uh, to bring you another one of our guests, Katie, longtime listener. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at K. Catherine Marie, probably the most Irish out of all of us here, uh, <laughs> including including myself. I do have a red beard. I had to shave it for um, job interview purposes, but uh, you definitely are more Irish than the rest of us here. <laughs> and, well, thanks uh, for having me. No problem. So we actually ran into each other at the Boston College game last year, and none of us remember that. Uh, you you had your Monte Teo jersey on and bucket hat, and I said, I want to talk to this person, and then I never did. Uh, so Katie is definitely one of the more diehard Notre Dame fans, even though she doesn't show it uh, too much on online, only liking and favoring all my passive-aggressive tweets. But uh, <laughs> where did everything start for you for being a Notre Dame fan growing up in uh, the Northeast? So my dad and brothers are really big Notre Dame fans and they just kind of passed it along to their kids and the first song that I ever learned to sing was the Notre Dame fight song that's awesome so there's a video of me maybe like I had to be like one or two and me and my cousin who she if I was like one or two she's probably like three or four we were both singing it and they were like that's the first song you ever learned to sing it wasn't like wheels on the bus or ABCs it was the Notre Dame fight song Take notes. Uh, I don't know if Mrs. Wagon listens to this podcast, but if she does, take notes that that's going to have to happen in the future. But uh, that's awesome. And then uh, I know you went to college in the Northeast as well. So did you ever let off the, the gas of being a Notre Dame fan? Uh, I, I kind of did when I got to college. I would watch the games, but things were more important uh, during that time. Or were you full, full on, full bore the entire time? Um, It wasn't like I am now. So we have season tickets to BC um, just so we can see the Notre Dame games. Okay. So I would always go to those when I was in school. But 
I mean, I didn't really have time to like sit down and watch a game because I went to Keene State. So, I mean, the listeners probably all don't know what that means, but uh, well, we we have. Dylan definitely doesn't know what that means, but I understand. I, I also went to a small school in the Northeast. So uh, now now that you're out of school, you your fandom kind of picked back up, more rampant now, uh, from what my understanding. Yeah, for sure. It's every weekend I'm always watching the game or at the bar watching the game, making sure I'm up on it. And if I can't watch, because there has been a few Saturdays that I can't, I always have my ESPN notifications on and I'm scrolling through Twitter to make sure I can catch everything that's going on. And there's one story, and I'm really glad you came on because it's my favorite story of this season. A lot of people are saying, oh, what's going to be the moment everyone talks about this season? And not enough people are going to talk about this, but you <laughs> had a, a trip out to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And was it a bachelorette party or just a girls weekend out there? No, it was actually, we did Friendsgiving. My friend and her boyfriend moved out there a year and a half ago, and they weren't coming home for Thanksgiving. So me and like six of my friends and their boyfriends flew out there, and I brought two of my friends from New York with me. And we were supposed to go to the Hot Springs that night. And This is the night of the USC game, everyone. So just so everyone's aware, it was Notre Dame, USC. uh, So we all know what happened during that game. And it was halftime, right? It was halftime, and I had to make a decision if I was going to go to Hot Springs. And I said, you know what? I'll go. I'm only in Steamboat Springs once. It's one of those things that you can't miss. And the car, so there was too many of us to take one car. We had to take two cars. And one of the cars couldn't get up the driveway. And there wasn't enough room for all of us to go in the other car. So one person would have had to stay behind. So I willingly volunteered myself and ran back to the house to watch the game by myself for the rest of the for the last uh half and i heard during one animated moment you had a neighbor come knock on your door to make sure you were okay yeah so um i don't remember what happened but i like screamed and i like smacked the couch and it was a loud <laughs> couch so it made a really loud noise and we were in a condo and like maybe five minutes later, um, a neighbor came over and knocked on the door. And so I answered it and I was like, they're like, oh, we just wanted to make sure everything was all right in here. We just heard some screaming and like loud bangs. And I was, it was really embarrassing. But I was like, yeah, I'm just watching a football game. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fantastic. Katie, you might be the horseman of the year. Uh, just, <laughs> just for that story there. Uh, so really there's a couple of things I know uh, D- Steve and I really talk about how handsome uh, Phil Jerkovic is and Ian book, but uh, not, not to give this too much of a female slant here out of our quarterbacks, Ian book, Brandon Wimbush and Phil Jerkovic, who is the most handsome and why is it Ian book? I was going to say it's Ian book. <laughs> We're all on the same page there. So Dylan take notes, most prolific scorer in Notre Dame history. Uh, now, well, he's not the most attractive of all time, though. Well, that's Brady Quinn. Yes, of course. Oh, good. We're both on the same page. Well, right? and then, well, who's your second, though? That's a hard question because they're all very handsome. But it would second probably. Clawson. You think it's Jimmy Clawson? I think so. Yeah. I saw him in person on my college tour. There, he was getting driven around in a golf cart. I, I hate Jimmy Clawson, but that's because he doesn't. He never followed me back on LinkedIn. I requested him, and he just 
<laughs> never, never wanted me uh, to come back. But uh, you know, the the whole thing with Notre Dame is this whole aspect of being the Subway alumni, and uh, I know that you personify that pretty well now, and uh, you're pretty adamant on Twitter about uh, again liking my passive aggressive comments about everyone. Uh, so just moving forward into not only this season, but the uh, the college football playoff, obviously Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and ND uh, being in it. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alabama, Oklahoma? Um, I mean, I know what's going to happen. Bama's obviously going to win. I don't want it to happen, but I mean, I'm just really hoping it. I hope for like there's some like sake of God watching out and they just lose terribly and it would be well, life. Are you familiar with the Horseman Curse? Yes, I am. But I mean, I don't want to play God, but I'm I'm pretty close to God at this point. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, I think we all know who you're picking there, Alabama. Uh, now Clemson, ND, going to be a good game. It's not going to rain in Dallas, uh, so we don't have to worry about the elements there. Uh, tell me why Trevor Lawrence should cut his hair and stop looking like a horse. Oh, no, I think you should keep it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That, I, I don't know how I feel about you now. <laughs> I, I have gone on the, on the record of saying we are going to cut off uh, Trevor Lawrence's hair like Samson and Delilah. But that's just because I went to a Catholic school, so I had a Bible reference in my back pocket. But uh, what are your thoughts on that game? Score, thoughts, anything? All right. Well, the Irish are going to win. I think the score is going to be 31-28. Interesting. That I, we just said yes before, and they gave the same exact score uh, with a fail, or he said 31-30 with a failed two-point conversion at the end. Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting that this number 31 keeps popping up uh, in different places. Uh, so I, I'm on record of saying Notre Dame's going to win. I don't have a score yet, uh, but sounds like you're also hammering the over. So. If you yeah. want to the bookmaker, just know that you can hammer the over there. Uh, last thing, um, kind of asking more of the hardcore ND fans about this, and we're going to talk about this more next week on our podcast uh, about the top moments of the year. But if you had to choose two top moments of this season, what would they be for you? Two top moments? That's really tough. Oh, yeah. We don't ask easy questions here. Um, I had a wonderful time at the Notre Dame Syracuse, honestly. That was like, it was just because I was there that I had a great time. I, I'm like trying to think of a moment that's like standing out in my head and I'm like, I can't think of anything. That seems to be the common theme right now with a lot of ND fans. They know the season's been so great, but 2012, you had the Oklahoma goal line stand, the Stanford goal line stand, all these different plays, uh, the overtime wins all these moments that stuck out, but this season has been such kind of a, a larger trying to think of the right word here, but just kind of a mural in and of itself where everything had just kind of blends together. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about the, I thought about the Syracuse ND game. I was there as well. And I think about the, um, not to get too technical here, but the counter with the, uh, the fullback running backside with, um, Jafar Armstrong scoring. Oh, down, yeah. Down in the end zone. Like, that's a random moment. It's not going to make any highlight reels, but that was cool. 
or Lowy Gilman's interception. So I'll try to make more of a point. I'll go into this in more detail next week. But this season has just been kind of just a mural. And then you think about a moment, and then there's just another moment that comes into your head that's even better than that. So I don't think there is one defining moment yet. Yeah, you're uh, there's still still two games left. Uh, we're fully on board with that. Um, so really, uh, other than that, you definitely win the title of being most hardcore, uh, passing up the uh, the hot springs to watch the USC game, which was a game that no one thought we would have to watch the second half of. I but know. Whatever. USC is USC. And uh, other than that, do you have any last points you would like to make about Notre Dame football life in general? Mm, I don't think so, but go Irish. Go Irish. You can follow Katie on Twitter at KKatherineMarie. Uh, she will surely be reactionary uh, coming up on December 29th. And other than that, uh, go Irish. Um, so the game, none of us want to fucking think about it all, but uh, the Peach Bowl, Florida versus Michigan. What do you guys Florida, Rashawn Gary is out. Quitty Pay from Hendrickson. Uh, will be playing in his place. He's a very good player, but Rashawn Gary is a game changer. Quiddy is not quite a game changer yet. He was a five-star, people forget. Yeah, I'm rolling with Michigan on this one just because I think their defense is dominant, and then in Florida doesn't really have the proven offense uh, to stick around. So, Yeah, so uh, P took Florida, you took Michigan. Uh, I took Michigan as well, very reluctantly. That fucking kills me every time I pick them, but... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Florida's actually a really bad team. They're not They're not good. Their offense is terrible. Michigan has a better defense. Um, and the other thing is they've played twice in the last three years or three in the last five, and Michigan's won every game, um, including a blowout in a bowl, I think, a few years ago. So I'll, I'll go with Michigan very reluctantly there. Um, Belk Bowl, South Carolina, the, the Cox versus Virginia. I went in down. Someone say something. <laughs> we just keep pointing at each other for those who can't uh, can't see on this audio podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm when in doubt, just go with the SEC team. So South Carolina. Who did I pick? Uh, you took South Carolina as well. We all did. Um, so Ooh. it's uh, had a pretty consensus there. So Arizona Bowl, Arkansas State versus Nevada. I love Arkansas State in this game. No, no actual reason. I just really like them. So. All right. Well, I went with Nevada. I took uh, I took Arkansas State as well. Um, my reasons for a lot of my picks were I looked at some stats ahead of time um, to kind of see where they ranked on S&P and efficiency to kind of help inform my decision. I also looked at kind of the form they were going into, who was playing. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to skip the, the, the college football semifinal. Uh, we'll save that for next week. All right, we are live with Brad, writer for the Draft Network. Uh, he really talks about all things NFL draft, analyzes the colleges. You can follow him on Twitter, Brad Kelly17. Uh, Brad is one of the more knowledgeable individuals about uh, wide receivers, wide receiver play for the NFL and college that I know of. Uh, so, Brad, thank you for coming on today. We just have a few questions about Notre Dame uh, receivers. All right, let's do it. Awesome. Who is the highest pick or highest draftable candidate for ND? Do tight ends count? 
Yes. It would be a Lise Mack then. Why is that? Um, so a lot of people will point to his quote unquote lack of production. Um, but realistically, the tight end position, in my opinion, is perpetually underutilized in college. Um, that's going back 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, you look at tight ends going from college to NFL, the production always increases in the NFL. And obviously, you end up playing more games, but even on a per game basis, it increases. I looked at Jason Witten's collegiate stats. He had 39 receptions his two junior season. Two years later for the Cowboys, he had 87. So it's not really, really a position that in college offenses uh, are utilized as much as they should be. It's more about traits when you scout tight ends, and I think that Mac has those elite traits. He has the athleticism. He was a former number one tight end in the country. Um, he has that high point, the ball skills that teams will covet in their tight ends in the red zone and he's athletic enough after the catch to make some things happen. Is he the shining star of the team as far as his off-the-field goes? Probably not. But I think that his athleticism and his ceiling, NFL teams are end up banking on that and take him relatively high. Awesome. Now, we uh, there was a running joke on the podcast, Chase Claypool. Uh, he's Dylan's neighbor to the north. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, again, from Canada. I wasn't sure how big Canada was before this. Uh, with that, do you see Claypool as a draftable individual in this draft, or do you think he needs another season uh, to hone his skills? Um, I, I think he would be draftable. I do, I do think he's going to go back to school, though. Um, the thing is, he's 6'4", 227. Not many guys that size from Notre Dame won't get drafted. Um, he has the, the body, he has the frame, he has the athleticism, and he's a good, he does a good job of, of winning down the field. So he's a guy who has the size, strength, Notre Dame, downfield, big play type of threat that would probably warrant him getting drafted. However, I think he goes back to school, and on top of that, I think that he would benefit from going back to school um, because I think he does need to refine his route running. Um, he's a willing blocker, which is good, but I don't think he has the best hands. So there are some parts of his game that are – uh, kind of here and there, um, but I think that he would benefit from going back to school despite the fact that he might get drafted this year. I think he'd increase his stock next year. All right, uh, three more players just to go over real quick. Uh, my favorite receiver, he will be a Patriot, uh, in my opinion. You can write that off. Uh, Chris Fink, he does have another year where he could come back. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I know player comparisons, you'll say Edelman or Amendola. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but what do you think about Frank and his skill set? Does he have a future in the NFL? Um, I, think if, I think if he has a future, it's going to come down to making his way on special teams first. Um, he, when he walked on to Notre Dame, he first got on the field as a punt returner. I think that that's a position where he could get on the field first, and then he could work, on, work his way up the depth chart as a receiver. He is undersized. He's 5'10", 185, but... I keep saying if Braxton Barrios can get drafted in the sixth round, there's no reason why Chris Fink can't, can't get drafted. Um, and that's the Patriots. That's any team. Um, I do think that he likely is an undrafted type of guy. He has, has to work his way up during camp. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't put it past him to make the team, to make an NFL team. And you're going down to the Senior Bowl, the uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl in Birmingham or Mobile? It's Mobile. Mobile. Well, that's a, always a fun place to be in the middle of January. Uh, now, with that, you'll you'll see down there, uh, Dexter Williams got invited down, I believe, at the time of this. You have Drew Tranquil 
and mm-hmm. LJ Mack all going down. Uh, Williams would probably be the only other guy that you would cover uh, because he does have that running back wide receiver hybrid. Uh, I've heard a lot of different reports about him from you know undrafted to low draft pick. Uh, what's your early inkling on Williams? I think that I think that's pretty accurate. I don't know if he is a a, a day two type of player. Um, likely a day three. The running back class isn't that great at the top, but I think it's very deep, and that's even going to the small school guys, uh, like they're from FAU, from Memphis. Zach Moss from Utah is very good. So it's even going past the the studs that you know about, guys like Rodney Anderson, guys like David Montgomery, um, and looking past the depth of the class, I think it's going to push a guy like Williams down. Um, like you said, he is a kind of hybrid. He can play a little bit of receiver, um, which will help him. But I don't know if he is dynamic enough uh, and has a true position enough to to warrant anything higher than a day a day three pick. Awesome. So two more questions: uh, Who is one person to look out for in this draft? Ooh. Um, as of December 18th at 9.07 p.m. I'm a big fan of Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. Um, he only had something like 11 receptions going into this season as a true junior. Uh, but then this year he was the second leading receiver in the country uh, behind Andy Isabella from UMass. Uh, he's 6'5", 200, so he's thin, but he's long. He uh, makes great plays above the rim, obviously. Um, and he tested the NFL waters, went to the advisory board, got a positive grade. So I think he's going to end up being more of a riser as the as the draft goes on. Um, and last year, despite we, we only being a one-year starter, it's because he was stuck behind uh, three receivers last year, all on active NFL rosters, and Kuti, Cantrell, and Cameron Batson. So it's not really something, something that you can hold against him. Uh, so I think that he's going to end up being a riser. He's, he just has the size of it. Is everything um, being awesome. relatively relative unknown because only one year? I think I think it's going to end up being him. Now, uh, last question: We are a Notre Dame centric podcast. Uh, thank you for being the fourth horseman right now. Uh, rest in peace, Joe. Come back to us. Who or what are your predictions for the college football playoff? Oklahoma, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. We've uh, I've muted everyone else for your reaction because I think I know where you're going to go. Uh, but let's do the uh, the APM game first: Alabama, Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, gotta, I'm going to go with Alabama. I mean, they've been the best team all season. They had one bad half against Georgia. Every every other game that they've played, they've absolutely dominated. Um, so I think that it's going to be Bama in the national championship game. Uh, I think it's going to be Clemson. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think that those are the two best teams. They've been the two best teams all season. Um, we'll get the f- their fourth matchup in four years, and I believe Alabama will come out on top. All right, well, you are wrong about that. <laughs> uh, so with that, you know, thank you so much for coming on, letting us know all about how Notre Dame is going to star in the NFL draft again this year. Uh, tight end you sounds like it's alive and well. Uh, Chris Fink, you can room with me when you become a Patriot. Uh, again, follow Brad on Twitter at BradKelly17. If you like his points, if you hate his points, yell at him. Uh, and other than that, follow him on the Draft Network. He posts some really good stuff. Uh, and also, real quick, Tillery, first-round draft pick, yes or no? It's a stacked D-line class. Oh, thank you. Um, I think it's going to end up being a second-round pick for him just because of how how deep the defensive line class is on the interior and on the outside.
fine by us. So with that, Brad, have a question. and we have a question from Dylan. All right. Um, well, one thing is uh, there's a rumor going around that you're a Michigan fan. Is that true? Because it might have affected your pick there in the college football semifinal. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I grew up a fan of – I've always been a fan of Boston College living in, in New England, but for whatever reason, when I was a child, I was a fan of Michigan and Nebraska. Um, I was a big fan of Eric Crouch. I was a fan of Michigan when they had Tom Brady, when they, when they had John Navarre. Um, as I grew up, uh, my grandfather was a big Notre Dame fan, so I kind of gravitated more towards Notre Dame. And to start this season, I made a deal with Patty that whoever won in week one, I would be a fan of the whole season. Not anticipating Michigan would then win 10 straight games. <laughs> so I did kind of start pulling for them again, but I would say that I've always liked Notre Dame. I'm not the type of fan that Patty is. You know, we'll be watching them at the Irish pub on Saturday afternoons, and he's just outside of his mind, nervous, like sweating. Um, so I'm not quite that level, but I've always liked Notre Dame. I'll be rooting for them in the playoffs. Uh, I just I just don't think that they're going to beat Clemson. That's fair. I, I have I have an actual question about a receiver um, that P forgot to ask. Um, Boykin. Miles Boykin, uh, if you can give us a quick rundown. But he's, question, he's coming back. We're going to win a high school with him next year. All right. Well, the question I have is, do you think he should come back relative to where you think he would go in the draft if he is draftable because he is eligible for another year? Right. So I saw the report today that said he's, he hasn't even thought about it, but they'd be surprised if he did enter the draft. Um, I think that this year's receiver class isn't as good as what next year's will be, assuming that the young guys all come out next year. You look at the, the three guys from Alabama. Um, there's so many good receivers who are sophomores. C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, T. Higgins from Clemson, Jalen Rieger from TCU, um, that if he wants to get while the getting's hot, he should come out this year. Um, he's a guy who really broke out this. What was that? I said, don't listen, Miles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a guy who really broke out this year. Last year, he was the MVP of the bowl game. What bowl is it? The Sun Bowl, Citrus Bowl, Citrus Bowl, January MVP of the Citrus Bowl. Um, and he has the size, same, he's almost the same size. I think he is the same size as Claypool, 6'4, 227. Um, he's a leading receiver. He's a lot better in the, he's better in the intermediate, great hands. Really, he's able to pluck the ball out of the air. Um, so I think that he's a really good size, intermediate threat, can be used inside, outside. And I think that if he wants to have his highest draft stock, it would be this year just because of how deep and how loaded next year's receiver class could be. I think next year's receiver class is going to be the best since, since like, the Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins class. Um, so he's a, he's a day three kind of guy? Out this year. What was that? He's a day three kind of guy? Uh, most likely, yes. Um, just because I don't know if he has, he's quite twitchy enough to go on day one or two. Um, he doesn't have that explosiveness that you really, really want from the bigger guys. Like he's not like Julio Jones and that's fine because I still think he has a role, but I don't think that he has, is going to blow the combine up to the point where he would be a top, top 100 pick. All right, Steve, any last uh, words? You'll meet him in the parking lot to fight over Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, C Town represent. No, 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 no. He uh, he addressed everything. Um, I'm a, a little baffled that you can choose your fandom for an entire season based on uh, the, the winner of the first game of the year. <laughs> but to each their own. Uh, nobody is as much of a psychopath when it comes to college football as myself and and my two other degenerate friends here on the podcast. So, uh, obviously, uh, 
you know, welcome, uh, welcome to the the Irish side of the aisle uh, for the next couple weeks. And I say next couple of weeks because I I don't believe that the season ends uh, next week. And I would agree with that. But Brad, again, I'll edit the part out before before Dylan's question. Thank you for coming on, uh, Brad Killer seventeen on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him on the Draft Network. Uh, ask him any questions. If you think he's wrong for picking Clemson over the Irish, you can yell at him through me. I will vocalize everything to him in angrily worded Snapchats. Uh, but <laughs> thank you again, Brad. Uh, any last points you would like to make before we let you go? Military boy. Go Irish. Go Irish. Cincinnati versus the Virginia Tech Hokies. Who do you guys got? BT. Also rolling with the Hokies. Got to get that trick the schedule up post playoff. Uh, <laughs> I it's, oh, yeah, it's a horseman stat. It's the only post playoff strength of schedule that matters will be this one. Yeah, and the uh, the old book for Heisman based on like his four touches for touchdowns before he was named the starter. They didn't name him a fucking 2019 candidate for Heisman, and I'm about to riot. Ridiculous. Right. The point is, we use some stupid stats here sometimes. Um, like Yoon leading at all-time points. Don't get me started on that, NBC. Anyway, I took Cincinnati, the Bearcats. I think they're going to win the game. Virginia Tech is... Ah. And uh, Cincinnati is quite decent this year. They were kind of in my top 25 for most of the year. Will they allow them to do their ticky-tack high school entrance with Enter Sandman? No, they won't. God, right. that's all that you need to know. Um, up next, the Sun Bowl. Um, not the Citrus Bowl, P. Uh, no, put, on, put on the spot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Stanford versus Pitt. Two teams in Notre play. So the strength of schedule is improving here, Steve. Regardless. Yeah, we are going to have an improved strength of record or strength of schedule. So gotta gotta be excited about that. Obviously, going with Stanford and uh, superior athletes and yeah, their nerds. Pittsburgh. Bryce Love isn't playing. Love is overrated. He had a shitty year this year. He will not make it in the NFL. Hi, uh, Horseman curse. He was hit by it. It will affect Stanford in this game. Pittsburgh by a touchdown. I uh, I always like Stanford. I always cheer for Stanford. I think they're a great school. Um, besides the point, they're just an infinitely better team. Uh, they got a great quarterback there. Uh, and uh, it was a Costello. Is that his name? Yep. And uh, Arcega side. Oh. The receiver's really good too. So I, I'm going to take Stanford. Um, for many of the reasons Steve had said. So moving on to a game I had to actually think about a little bit, the Red Box Bowl between two underperforming schools, Michigan State Spartans, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so I suppose we like them a little bit, um, and Oregon. Michigan State. Is Justin Herbert playing? I believe so. As of right now, yeah, he'll be at the quarterback for the Giants next year. I don't think he goes right. out. I don't. I think he stays in the uh, in the NCAA. Huh. We'll have to ask. Right. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. I I took Oregon as well uh, because I think Herbert's going to play. Uh, and Michigan State's offense is fucking brutal. It is bad. Um, but moving on, Liberty Bowl. What a pretentious name for a bowl. Missouri versus Oklahoma State. Mizzou. Uh, I'm intrigued by that's it. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you finish your thought. I, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, I, I don't really have a thought. It's just Mizzou. I like them. Yeah. I'm yeah. intrigued by Mizzou because I think that, uh, Drew Locke is, is going to be a quality 
Uh, I, I think he'll compete for a roster spot in the NFL. Will he uh, end up being something good? That's yet to be seen. Uh, he's a he's a hell of a quarterback, but I'm ultimately going with Oklahoma State. I took uh, I took Mizzou. I'm with I'm with P Wagon there. Um, I think they're really good. They've had a really good resume this year. Um, SEC is really tough. Oklahoma State's underperformed a lot too. They've lost some really weird games. Um, so I'll take Missouri there defensive or at least a more defensive matchup than you would see in the Big 12. So can I, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah. The wide receiver for UAB as of five minutes and 15 seconds left in the third quarter has seven receptions, 227 yards, and three touchdowns. <laughs> Should have asked Kelly about him. <laughs> it's some it's Xavier Ubosi, whoever he is. But continue. Sorry. All I'm right. watching the game to the side. Going on to the Holiday Bowl between the overperformers of the season, um, Northwestern and Utah. Who do you guys got? Utah, Northwestern, a bunch of frauds. I think Northwestern is definitely good. Hell of a coach, but uh, Utah, Utah feels like they're really turning the tide. I think they and USC are going to fight for being the class of the uh, the the Pac-12 South over the next couple of years. Yeah, I took I took Utah as well. I think we all kind of like the Utes in that one. Um, the state of Utah, by the way. That's insensitive. So, uh, moving on, Tax Slayer Bowl, which is a pretty cool name. Um, when I typed it in, it autocorrected to Taxpayer Bowl, which I thought was hilarious. Um, <laughs> so North Carolina State Wolfpack versus the Texas A&M Aggies. Who do you guys got? NC State. Texas Astomoff. Um, I don't think that's the name, but I do like Texas A&M. Um, I think uh, they're really good. Uh, they played in a tough conference, did well. Um, and I don't think the Wolfpack really played anyone. you got to be skeptical with ACC teams. So, uh, yeah, A&M for me. All right. The Outback Bowl. Mississippi State versus Iowa. What do you like? Quick question. Ask a Canadian. Impromptu. Do they have Outback Steakhouse in Canada? Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's some in Toronto. Um, I haven't seen one, but again, I don't live all over Canada at every moment. Um, that'd be an interesting thing to look up. But uh, okay. so I chose Mississippi State. In case you guys were wondering, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have Iowa. Um, really, Barstool has warped my mind, and I think everyone from Iowa is the friendliest individual in the world. Uh, so Barstool Trent, uh, that pick was for you. Uh, Iowa by a safety. Yeah. The only thing I know about Iowa was during the primaries, and that suggested that they, they are insane people. Um, so I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Um, yeah, just they're a better football team. Sorry. Uh Moving on, Fiesta Bowl, LSU versus UCF. Who do you guys got? LSU, even with Greedy Williams sitting out, uh, it'll be just a bloodbath. LSU by LSU. UCF was cute, and they they were a team that you could get behind until they just became so uppity and douchey. So I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth because I loathe LSU, but I want this game to end like 52-0. Yeah, I don't know why you hate LSU since we own them every time we play. It's because of friends. I, I know. Uh, it, 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 I, specifically, it's Jamarcus Russell and that bowl game, which destroyed my life. Oh, yeah, that did ha- I blocked that out of my mind. That yep. did happen. Before my time, lads, I was just a week. 
I was just a little kid then. Yeah. Um, Brady Quinn deserved a BCS Bowl victory, and that was robbed from us. And Jeff Samarja got a 15-yard personal foul called him on the first drive of the game for dropping the ball and doing the first down uh, motion. And the uh, the refs the refs had it in for us that game. Yeah. Well, from what I recall, looking at score lines, that game wasn't close anyway. Um, so I took LSU. Um, UCF doesn't have a quarterback. Simple as that. Our final guest of the evening is Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter at Viva La Vega with four A's at the end. Uh, Vegas has the distinct honor of being our first non-Notre Dame fan on the podcast. Um, he's one of the friendlier and more literate Alabama fans uh, that I follow. <laughs> Both true. And uh, I, we met on Twitter somehow, either through the Barstool Twitter or something. But uh, I don't hate him for being an Alabama fan, which is weird, because you think after 2012 I would despise him. I, I don't. Uh, so Vegas, thanks for coming on to defend uh, Tua, to go over the Horseman Curse, and to also to let us know how someone who I believe is from New York is an Alabama fan. So uh, take it away. Let us know about your fandom. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, so I grew up a little bit outside of the Philadelphia area. My dad was a big Philly sports fan growing up, so I'm all Philly for the pro sports. Um, but he never really cared about college sports at all. So I was all Philly pro sports, never really had a college home team, but my mom's family is all from Alabama. So rather than go kind of the Penn State route that everybody else was going, um, just kind of all of our family was was from Bama. So I said, you know what, I'll go that route. That way I have the pro teams that my dad likes and the college team that all my mom's family supports. And so we just kind of, uh, we went from there. Now, when when did the fandom start? Was it before Saban and the national championships, or did you catch the bandwagon early? Um, it, it was pretty much right as Saban came on. Okay, that, that's so, oh, it, it wow. was. It was. <clears throat> let's see, so I was born in '92. Saban came on in '07, so it would have been like '06, like right at the kind of right at that switch there, okay. where I grew up just kind of liking pro sports. I wasn't a huge college sports fan. Obviously, there was a whole Miami era and the USC era, and I enjoyed that, but I was never really close to it. And then kind of as all that was wrapping up and the Vince Young thing happened, it was just a lot of excitement. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'll I'll get in on this. Hmm. So we just kind of went from there. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. All of our stories uh, kind of are a little bit different. For me, it was uh, 1993. Penn State, Notre Dame, and the Snow Bowl. Uh, there was no power at my house. I was two years old, uh, and my grandpa had it on a radio. I didn't understand what was happening, but I was told I had to like Notre Dame, and from there, it was just kind of kind of took off. Now I have a podcast that has 500 listeners. But um, with that, it's kind of interesting to see that you weren't a bandwagon fan that a lot of individuals kind of had jumped on this. Oh, Alabama's the greatest team since sliced bread. Let's be fans so we win championships. So you got the championships, but also I can respect where your your fandom did come from. So definitely, and I, I mean, it's not like I was a fan for long before that. I mean, it's not like I'm 
old to begin with. I mean, I'm 26. So pretty much since the second half of, of high school or even sophomore year on, I mean, they've kind of been a strong, strong little program there. Must be nice. Uh, let me just say it must must be nice to have championships and to to win and to, I mean you did kill those trees down in Auburn but <laughs> um, it must be nice to have all you know success um, yeah, no comments on that one the happiest moment of my life was 2008 when they won the Hawaii Bowl so <laughs> that, actually no Citrus Bowl last year was pretty awesome because the SEC is a fraud conference. Uh, and getting into that, let's uh, segue in. Um, as you know, I put a curse on Tua Tagovailoa. Um, the Horseman curse has been proven to work on Bryce Love, Mackenzie Milton, and Garner Minshew. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm a warlock by any means. I do have two cats, one of which is black. Uh, and with that, uh, I did put the curse on Tua. Uh, I, he hasn't won the Heisman. He had that ankle injury. And uh, really, are you worried about the Horseman curse coming into effect either this week or the Oklahoma game or the uh, preceding game? No, not at all. Um, I definitely think that if there was any team that I didn't want to get in, it, it was Oklahoma. I just think that their offense is phenomenal. Murray is great. The talent around him is great. Lincoln Riley is an offensive genius. I mean, they're going to they're going to hang points. So, if if that game does go awry and Alabama loses that game, I don't think that it's going to be a product of Tua playing poorly because of a curse that that may or may not be on him. Well, um, this is a big, big curse time right now. I've also put on Trevor Lawrence, so. I'm, I'm hanging I mean, there's a difference trip. between there's a difference between all of those guys and putting it on Tua. I, I mean, those guys all, you know, can play poorly. That's something plausible. But with Alabama, you're talking about Nick Saban, the man himself who was born on Halloween. So if there's any curses well, going around, we we got a little curse off. Don't don't make me curse Saban on this too. If there's any curses going around, I think Nick Saban's is going to overpower. Wow. Anything that you guys are bringing on? Well, I'll put that in my tickler file to uh, to. I'll do some research. I may have to consult a witch doctor. Uh, I'm gonna have to find one of those. But um, really, my main point about Tua that I I make a lot is he's a good quarterback. Obviously, he came second in the Heisman this year uh, to arguably one of the most dynamic athletes of this generation, with Kyler Murray being a stud in both baseball and football. That also helps that he made $5 million last year um, yep. for a condom bonus. Uh, Tua took slightly less of a pay cut, probably only made a couple thousand. But with that, when you get him out of the pocket, and this is more of serious football talk, I don't think he's that good on the run. Are you worried that if Oklahoma can collapse the pocket, that you get him on the run, things change? He's not as accurate as a thrower on the run? Or do you have any concerns about his – his ankle uh, in this coming game. So according to them, the ankle is going to be fine. Um, they released a statement today saying that he was ahead of schedule. He got his work done by the Dr. James Andrews, who has also said that he's ahead of schedule. So yes, naturally, that's something that I'm a little bit worried about, but given 
what they've said, I think that it should be a non-factor. Um, <clears throat> I think that he he's better on the run than given credit for. I mean, his problem is that he's such a good passer that he always thinks that there's a play to be made. I mean, there's a little bit of, of Aaron Rodgers' mindset, not to compare him to Aaron Rodgers as, you know, that level of a player, but that same mindset of they both – tend to move around and hold the ball a little bit longer than they should because they think that they are always going to be able to make a play. And so, I mean, both of them, you mentioned before that you thought that Tua took too many stupid sacks. I went and looked. He's only taken 11 sacks this year. So that's less than one sack a game. The problem is he takes a lot of hits. So he gets rid of the ball before he gets sacked, but he hangs onto the ball so long that he is taking a lot of stupid hits. And when you look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers, that's kind of what's caused him to be injured over the course of time is he holds the ball longer than he should. And he takes stupid hits because he's trying to make a play at the last second. That's how Tua hurt his ankle last game is there was that play down along the goal line. He got flushed out to his right. He's holding the ball too long. He's trying to make a play where there's nothing open. That ball has just got to fly out of the back of the end zone, live to play another down. But instead he hangs on to it too long. He's running around. He takes a hit he shouldn't take in order to protect himself. And in the process, he hurts his ankle. And so that was early on in the game. And I mean, it screwed him for the entire rest of the game. And it's not the first time that it's happened. I mean, his knee was banged up earlier in the year because of the same thing. And so I think that as a playmaker, as a passer, he's incredible both in and out of the pocket. What worries me more is not him not being able to make those plays, I'm more worried about him holding onto the ball for too long and taking another hit and maybe getting his knee tweaked again or his ankle tweaked again. And that kind of affecting things from there, Oklahoma. I'm not so much worried about it because their defense <clears throat> is really, really, really bad. I mean, I don't see them pressuring him at all, but against somebody like Clemson or Notre Dame, that can definitely play a factor. Now I, I that's, probably everything I'd said in more eloquent ways than I would say it. Um, and you look at both Clemson's defensive line, not saying that Clemson will make it past ND because I am in uh, full support of Notre Dame, Alabama rematch of 2012. And you get, you know, uh, a Lowy Gilman or a Tavon Coney coming downfield, or even some of the, uh, the edge rushers that ND has, and you get two out of the pocket, these, these cats, they don't hit softly. And I know that's kind of a, a broad statement to say that other teams don't hit hard. But watching the, the games this year, when they have a full head of steam, they're coming for blood. And that's Definitely. if they can get a hit on Tua like that, it, it could change and we would have to take on, you know, the, the second quarterback or the, your little whole convoluted system. We have the same system. And everyone's given Nick Saban credit for making the switch. Brian Kelly did the same thing. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's my point. I, I'm a firm stance of I don't like Tua. I do like his brother, Myron, who plays for Notre Dame. Uh, but I'm definitely very excited to see what happens. I think everyone's on the same, same boat. I personally would like to see Oklahoma win uh, just because I, I, I like to put the horses in the race that I can beat. Uh, and, and with that, you know, it's going to be a good game. The over-under set at 80. I don't think it's going to get nearly as close to that. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Alabama 42, Oklahoma 28. 
Uh, just, you know, I'm not sure if those points shake out to 80. I'm not a mathematician. I don't have a calculator. But um, really, what are your thoughts on the college football playoff? And being that you've been in the catbird seat for five, six years now, do mm-hmm. you think that it should expand to an 18 playoff? Um, <clears throat> so, I, I mean, I have really enjoyed the playoff system as it is. Um, I definitely see why people would want an 18 playoff. I personally, I don't really love the idea. I mean, I like the four team. I think that the eight team opens up to the possibility of just kind of these absurdities happening. I mean, there are people that have tweeted out over the last couple of days, like over the last four or five years alone, you know, if you have an auto qualifier for a conference, there are a couple of teams that would have snuck in there with like four or five losses, which is kind of absurd. Um, and there were a couple of years where you would have like a th- the number four team would have just kind of been out. Um, so I think that expanding to eight isn't awful. I mean, it wouldn't upset me. It wouldn't be my first choice, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings either. Um, but I think that there would be more thought that would have to go into it. I mean, to just blanket say, we're going to give five conferences an automatic bid and then we're automatically going to give a group of five and then we're going to go to others from there. I think that there needs to kind of be some checks in place just in case something kind of goes haywire and a team like Pitt upsets a Clemson in, you know, the championship game and all of a sudden you've got a six loss Pitt in the playoff. So I think that if they, if they structure it the right way, then that's fine. Um, but personally, I've really enjoyed the four. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have my team be in it every year, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've seen, I believe, every single seed but a one seed win it. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's wild to think about. Now, Somebody might have to fact check that, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that a one seed has been. We, we don't fact check on this podcast. We just we shoot from <laughs> um, Now, with that, I mean, I, I'm the fact checker, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so just going on that, kind of what you said about the checks and balances, I enjoy the BCS system. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the BCS was the computer-based system. So yeah. I know this hasn't really been brought up, but if you can advocate for uh, a computer system to have the Saragen ranking and all the other ranking systems to come up with those top eight, that's what something that I could see. You you saw the UCF being uh, you know butthurt about not getting in because their strength of schedule or strength of records not that high, but then that would cause more. It'd be more cause for them to schedule Florida or really look for those type of games. And I yeah, agree. Exactly. So there there are some ways to do it. I think they should bring back the BCS computers, uh, and with that, you know. It would be very interesting to see. That might be calls I'll take up in the off season. Um, so I think that the computers were a lot better than they were given credit for. I mean, there's still a couple. We had Condoleezza Rice on the board last year. <laughs> I, I, love, I love her. She's a Notre Dame graduate. She's a member of Augusta. Why the fuck is Condoleezza Rice on a college football committee? Like, uh, apparently, she knows a lot about football. I mean, I can't really speak to it, but it's supposedly. But yeah, I mean, there's still a couple of Twitter accounts that tweet out every week, like, here's what the BCS rankings would be compared to the college football playoff rankings. More often than not, the top five or six are identical. So, right. I mean, 
yeah, I don't necessarily see why there needs to be a committee. I think that you could still have a four or eight team playoff using the BCS system and effectively have the same thing. Hmm. Bring back the BCS. We'll start that up this offseason. Uh, now, I know you're uh, you're running around before the holidays, so I'll let you go after this. Uh, give me your two-game prediction. We will start with uh, the lesser of the two games, Alabama-Oklahoma. Um, I think that Alabama- you, by the way, verbally makes it a lot more fun because you can't read my sarcasm over Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Alabama-Oklahoma. Um, I think that Alabama wins, but I think it's going to be fairly high scoring. I think it's going to be something like Alabama 45 or 48, Oklahoma 38, 41, something like that. I mean, I think the game is a seven to 10 point game, high scoring. I think it comes pretty close to that over under that they have set. I mean, Oklahoma, as good as Alabama's defense is, is just, they're too good on offense. Kyler Murray is unbelievable and Lincoln Riley is as good as it gets. So I mean, Alabama's defense is phenomenal, but in this era, the passers are too good. The offenses are too good. Everything's too spread out to, to really count on Alabama's defense to come in and, and really just put Oklahoma away. And the marquee matchup, the 4 p.m. mid-afternoon matchup of uh, kind of ACC rivals, even though Notre Dame's proudly independent, uh, Notre Dame-Clemson, thoughts? Clemson. Um, I think that this is another one that's something like a seven-point game. I just think that Dabo is too good. He's been there before. I think that Trevor Lawrence, while he's young, has just improved and improved. And I know that Notre Dame has a good squad, and they're well-coached. I mean, your guys' coach, obviously, won Coach of the Year. and Three. Actually, four. As of recording this, he's won four different Coach of the Year awards. Just saying. So – the coach of the year pretty much every year is is Nick Saban, but it's like they say the MVP every year should be Michael Jordan or LeBron James, but, you know, people would get sick of it. Um, but, yeah, he was he was one of the top two or three coaches throughout the season, however you want to see it, whether you think he's number one, number two, or number three. Um, but I just think that Clemson's talent is, is a lot, and I think that that's going to be very tough to overcome. And I think that the fact that Clemson plays on this stage every single year is going to be tough to overcome as well. Um, I think that it's going to be close, though. I mean, I can't remember when I last checked weeks ago, I think the spread was something like 10 points. It's I think, up to 13 and a half right now. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think it's that. I think that it's going to be something like a 7-10 point game. I think that it's going to be a good game for, for most of the game. But I think that ultimately Clemson just – out talents Notre Dame, and I think that their their big stage experience is gonna is gonna make a difference. All right, well, agree to disagree on that one, but at least I, mean, I, I think that Notre Dame can win that game. If they win that game, I will not be shocked. I mean, I I would think that it's two thirds Clemson, one third Notre Dame. Like I I will not be blown away if they win that game. I think that they have a great chance, especially given how Clemson has played some of their games this year. So, I mean, it can happen. I I won't be surprised, but I just think that Clemson ends up pulling it out. And I can promise you this. If Clemson does pull out some miracle victory, I will not poison any trees. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so thank you, uh, thank you again for coming on. I know that this being an enemy territory here, uh, you definitely delivered some poignant points. Uh, I'm going to have to look into witch doctors and voodoo dolls now. So you've given me something to do uh, for my my day tomorrow. And uh, really, off of that, I think we're really in for a very exciting time. If it does get to be Alabama ND, I'll have you on. Uh, again, so we can preview that game together in a, a much more friendly environment. Uh, we'll probably have Stephen Dillon here as well, so they can yell at you uh, more even keeled. And uh, other than that, if you want to tell Vegas why he's wrong about his prediction, you can follow him on Twitter at Viva La Vega. That's Viva La Vega with four A's. Uh, he has an awesome cat. Our cats kind of look alike, which is also really cool. Uh, oh, there he is right now. Uh, we got a cat on. I don't know where mine are, so I'm going to go find them. But other than that, uh, any last words? Roll Tide. All right. Um, next, the Citrus Bowl between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Kentucky. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Kentucky. Josh Allen's a fucking stud. They they are the overachieving team of the season. If you want to talk about a team really uh, overstepping there or outkicking their coverage, yeah, I, I like Kentucky. Feel good story. Let's go, Cats. Yeah, we all took Kentucky. I think it's kind of weird because Penn State is, you know, I think the betting favorite there. Um, but I think we all just kind of hate Penn State, so let's just move on. Um, People don't forget child rape. So... Anyway, the Rose Bowl, um, the most overrated bowl ever because it's between two conferences I detest. Um, Ohio State, last game for Urban until he becomes a Notre Dame coach. Uh, I'm going with Washington just because they're a disarray. They are losing recruits left and right. Screw everything in the world about Ohio State. I loathe that program. Arguably, almost as much as Michigan. Hmm. Uh, Ohio State. That I don't really think I need to elaborate on it. They're about fifty million light years ahead of Washington. I think Washington's all right, but you know, it's just it's just another level. Um, Sugar Bowl, Georgia versus Texas. Welcome. Oh wow. Uh, I mean, I'm just going with Georgia. Uh, Georgia is a playoff team. But obviously, the way it shook out, they're not. Great team. Um, Georgia. Yeah, um, Georgia was kind of an easy one to me. Texas is not really good. Um, Georgia really is. So that's my decision there. I would cheer for the, the Texas Longhorns because I can't stand the SEC. And I really don't like any Georgia fans. Um, so that's, that's it. Um, we'll get into the college football playoff predictions next week. Um, but you heard it. That's who P-Wagon, Steve, and myself think will win the bowl games. Um, we will see who's the smartest at the end. Me and Steve got a little head start based on last week. Um, and uh, to let you guys know, my non-college football fan girlfriend who picked is actually beating P-Wagon right now in predictions. Um, so that's just how crazy college football is. Mine is as well. I'm, I'm really just, you know, shutting the bed. And, uh, you know, other than that, this week – like I said before, it's our kind of methadone. Uh, watch the games, enjoy the games, enjoy the Christmas time, because come December 26th, it's tiger hunting season. 
I won't rest until Trevor Lawrence is on the sideline crying with his helmet off while that long hair flowing and Notre Dame is celebrating going to San Francisco for the college football championship. Clemson, we are coming for you. Your fans are too quiet because they are too stupid to make a coherent argument against the Irish. Go Irish. Beat Tigers. We're coming for you, Trevor. Rush for gold, baby. Let's go. Yep. And we definitely also say that we'll see you next week where we can kind of discuss Clemson in, in, in greater detail. Um, I'm sure the editing job P-Wagon is going to have to do here is really funny considering um, the way this is working out. Um, so I don't know if this is the beginning or the end of the podcast, um, but uh, we'll see you guys next week. Go Irish. Go Irish.